Welcome to DOS, a conversation in and around exhibitions. In this episode, designer Emily Smith and curator and designer Prem Krishnamurthy discuss the 7th Bucharest Biennial, What Are We Building Down There? The conversation takes place while riding a taxi to the airport. The biennial here, mostly referred to as BB7, was curated by Niels van Tolme with the help of Charlotte van Brulare. It was mostly sunny and mild. The conversation is interpreted by Anna Salazar as Emily and Annie Godfrey Larman as Prem. Look at that house. It seems appropriate that we're here talking about the Bucharest Biennial in a cab, since that is the way we've seen the Biennial. It's a biennial that is dispersed, which takes place on billboards spread throughout the city. According to Niels van Toma, the curator, it took him eight hours to actually see every billboard on a single day with a hired car. There's an app for BB7 too, which lets you see images of the billboards from anywhere on a phone. In my mind, it's a perfect biennial to end all biennials. It's the ultimate distributed exhibition because there's a shortcut to see the show via an app. Experiencing the whole thing is nearly impossible, etc. The difficulty of seeing it emphasizes the fact that there are always biennials happening throughout the world and that we miss the majority of them. Do you think it actually did something for us to drive around and look at the billboards in person? Yes. As you were talking, it was the experience of seeing the billboards that became more important to me than the billboards. I can read about them, I can see them online, but it is a different experience to see them in person, which keeps changing. Remember the first night we were here at the party? I was talking with the artists and I learned that a couple of artists had only just seen their billboards for the first time. Brandon Fernandez and Nana de Boabul had taken a taxi together and had been driven to their sites. And then I got a sort of private viewing of their projects. It became a discursive experience, almost like a social media experience, but without the internet. Similarly, just now driving around, knowing that the billboards were somewhere on the map, we have had to scan the landscape. And every billboard you see, you think, is that one? Is that one? It becomes the same experience with empty or white billboards and with ripped billboards. It makes you wonder at some level, might that be art or might that just be the life of advertising in Bucharest? The final one we tried to see, we were looking for the Meta Haven contribution, but we were stuck in the flow of traffic around a massive city center, having to quickly turn our heads around to catch the back of the billboards. This all made me think of the ease of seeing exhibitions. With BB7, there was an added layer of physicality, of trying to capture it. I don't know how much time I actually spent looking at the billboards. That's true. The experience did seem to be very much about trying to find each billboard. Like, where's Waldo? We were running around like we were on a scavenger hunt. And once we saw a billboard, all we wanted to do was take a picture of it. The perfect reaction to the show, if there were easier traffic flow in Bucharest, would be to take a selfie in front of each billboard and then post it on Instagram because you just wanted to prove that you were there. I think my images became more my own performative act. Taking a picture of somebody taking a picture. 
Then Vlad Nanka, the Romanian artist who joined us on our taxi tour, he took pictures of me, taking pictures of you, taking pictures of billboards, which might be later shared on social media. That's going to be what I pass on as an experience. And for me, at least, less the conceptual content of the billboards themselves. And I think, listening to Niels talking about his curatorial practice, there is something in that hybridity of experience as well. It melts down this idea of going to a place and seeing a piece. Fact and fiction, public and private, inside and outside. Niels spoke of rejecting these binaries and instead coming up with a form of non-oppositional dissent, a new way to navigate the city, the political or economic poles, or even the concept of a biennial for that matter. It all melts together. People are very opinionated of how it came together. Oh my God, the driving. That was close. I think we're okay. As a semi-non-sequitur apropos hybrids, I think one of my favorite weird things about this trip to Bucharest was learning about hybrid cigarettes. They were apparently given out for free by Parliament, one of the sponsors of the biennial, at the opening party that we missed. There's a little mechanism in the filter that allows you to turn a normal cigarette into a menthol just by clicking a capsule that releases the minty flavor. For me, that relates to what you were talking about yesterday, about the metaphor of cigarettes as sex. The idea that a cigarette could have multiple phases. Vlad Nanka, Nona Enescu, you and I were trying to come up with an even crazier hybrid, where you would have a regular cigarette first, then click the filter for a menthol, and finally, then, in the end, a piece of gum would pop out of the cigarette. Besides the fact that this would be a hilarious product, I also think that the idea of a hybrid that contains such different experiences is so fascinating. I love what you were saying just now about the artists showing you their billboards on their cell phones, and it reminds me of these kind of hybrid or multi-stage objects. Here, there was a digital experience that preceded each physical experience. I'm assuming that each artist conceptualized their work as a digital file and just sent it to Niels and Charlotte. This makes it at first a totally disembodied artwork, a thing that travels on the internet like an animated GIF or a meme, but that each artist had never seen installed in situ. Not only that, each artist chose their spot. They chose where they wanted their billboards to go, but they had never seen the actual place. Instead, they decided off of a brief with what's in the area of each billboard, what the area is known for. They were doing something site-specific without ever actually having been on site. Only after it was installed and the artists visited the site did they actually see the context around their work. Like, suddenly there's an IKEA billboard next to it. Hey, we have to remember the Lehman Brothers billboard. Did we already pass it? No, we didn't, but it's on this street. There will be one more billboard coming up right after the bridge between the river park on the way to the airport. But it's backwards. You have to look back. My suspicion, to be honest, is that the advertising company gave them all backwards billboards because they're cheaper, so they're not wasting as much money. You look that way, I'll look this way. It's a piece of currency with cocaine on it. 
Oh, this is the bridge. Okay. Okay. These are not even the right kinds of billboards. These are too big. No, there's the bridge. It's probably one of those horizontal ones. There. There. Can you quickly pull up? Let's get out really quick. Now you go, quickly. It's actually a pretty good one. Thank you so much, that was it. We're crazy. How many have we seen? Five or six, I think. We saw two yesterday. And we saw briefly Meta Havens, even if it was behind us, and Brandon's. We saw eight, more than one third of the biennial. It's crazy that it could take eight hours to see the whole thing by car. It's basically a biennial that is not meant to be seen in its totality. I like what you were talking about, about each artist hearing about the context of each location and choosing a location. But the truth is that we're all, artists included, just dropping into the site for a minute to take a picture and then leave. But actually, it might be more relevant to other people who pass by it every day and who have no idea that it's even an artwork or part of a biennial which I think Niels would like. The Lehman Brothers billboard that we just saw, it looks like a bleached graffiti-covered bill with two lines of cocaine, saying the Lehman Brothers surfing the Bucharest Biennial. It's so faded, looks like it has been vandalized. And look, the billboard above is abandoned and empty. How many people are really going to notice it? It's an online experience or a visitor experience. You know, yesterday, Sue Spade, one of the other handful of international guests here for the opening, she was saying in-towners don't go to other neighborhoods, so they may only see what's in their own neighborhood. We've only met a handful of Romanian artists, but those that we have met didn't even know that BB7 was going on, or if they did, they were consciously objecting to it because of the politics of the founders and how controversial they are here. And it's funny to talk about the context of people who see the billboards. Most of these billboards are to be seen mostly from cars. In general, how much time does one spend looking at billboards? They're meant to be looked at in just a second. I'm thinking of those billboards that say, if you lived here, you'd be home already. They're meant to be seen when you're stuck in traffic. They give you this moment of pause. You're asked a question, you're proposed something. The biennial billboards we've seen so far don't benefit from a built-in audience. There was only one by Tamás Kachás, the Hungarian artist. It was placed by a stoplight, and there it felt like you could stop and ponder what was being offered. Look, those two empty billboards, they start becoming abstract. You're totally right. A billboard is only meant to be looked at for a second anyway. I wonder what differentiates this project from something like Poetry in Motion, which is the name for poetry posters in the New York subway. I was only on a subway car once with Poetry in Motion. I don't know. It, I come here differently. I've never been here. It's a different kind of tourism. It's also knowing the curator, meeting the artists personally, it's not stumbling upon it. I guess I was asking it rhetorically. 
I realize that poetry in motion tends to be cheerful, uplifting. Maybe the difference here can be explained by the fact that we're looking for formal differentiation. Actually, maybe we should be looking at the content of the billboards, which mostly have to do with capitalism. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. To think like that, we'd almost have to start from the position of, let's imagine a world in which every biennial happens on billboards. It's just the norm. In reality, except for Venice and Sao Paulo, biennials often take place in disused locations, in parts of the city where there is going to be a lot of development and gentrification. So they're often a real estate gambit. Here, we've been talking about how BB7 is only on billboards and what that means. But what if all biennials were just exhibitions on billboards? Then, what would we say about the content that we've seen so far? Like, for instance, Brendan Fernandez's Stop, Stand Still. There it was interesting because it was in front of a shopping mall. It was in front of the Kaufland. And there was something about stopping. All those words individually conferred something about resistance, about being in the moment. In the context about capitalism or privatization, it meant stop consuming, stand still, be against it. But I know that in part from talking to him about it. And it's also part of a performance, part of a written piece. So it exists in a larger context. In Germany, Kaufland is like Walmart, a symbol of extreme consumerism, but also... I'm totally interrupting you, but look over there. It's a beautiful thing. It's an overgrown airport, like the Tempelhofer Field in Berlin, or that crazy water basin we saw with Vlad that's now filled in, or like many of the billboards themselves, an unused space that's filled in. Like a display, the armature that is holding art. But to get back to the billboards, all of them are only two-dimensional prints. I was talking to Vlad in the taxi about it, about the idea of making an installation space having a very thin depth, depth of a billboard, using it as storefront space. That's something that Sue was saying too. Why aren't people using it as a three-dimensional space? I guess everybody wants to break the format. Niels was talking about this too. People want something out of the norm, something revolutionary. But what if the whole point is that you can't escape the norm, the format? What if instead of resisting the format, trying to do something unusual, you actually accept that you can't get out of the system and instead try to do something effective or interesting within it? I like the constraints, the limitations of the billboard format. That the participants were all confronted with the politics and economics of both Bucharest the city and the Bucharest Biennial as an institution. Perhaps the flatness of the billboards is one way of resisting, or perhaps the backward-facing positions of many of the billboards is a form of revolution. It feels subversive. Flat files for all. That's a great way to think about it. It's like the world of the digital, of social media, such as Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. There's a fixed set of rules, whether it's a specific character count or image format or a set of standards imposed on you from outside. Your content is owned by someone else. But still, people make things within those formats that are effective and can sometimes, although I know this sounds hopelessly optimistic, create change in the world. 
Oh wait, we're already at the airport. Let's go catch our flight with Wizz Air. I wonder what they were thinking when they named that airline. I love that Michael Jackson movie, The Wiz. It's so fun. Maybe we can name our airline company after it. With Diana Ross, right? That extra Z at the end of the name makes it seem like the trip is going to go by really fast. And then the I that is written like an exclamation point. Whoa. It's kind of like Bucharest is Oz. They even have the palace. Okay, we're here. I'll get the cab fare. Thank you for listening in. Dose Audio is produced and edited by Ezra Tabul and Seth Kluat. Dose Conversations are instigated and edited by Sarah Demuz in collaboration with the original speakers. Join us again next time.